This podcast is sponsored by the Roofing Alliance, advancing the roofing industry since 1996 through technology and research, philanthropy, and education. Learn more about the Roofing Alliance at roofingalliance.net. Welcome to Episode 3 of Stories of an Extraordinary Industry presented by the National Roofing Contractors Association, NRCA. I am your host, Jared Ribble. The roofing industry is made up of talented, smart people, and this is the place where we tell their stories. Today is a story about money. Cash is king. Isn't that what being in business is all about? A group of roofing company owners who were all making good money on their own realized they had greater potential if they would join forces and operate as one larger unit. Could they put aside egos and their local relationships? Could they each give up ownership and their individual business they worked years to make successful just on the hope that their collective plans might succeed? Will they weather storms of recessions and negotiation battles? I hope you listen between the lines while this true tale unfolds because there's a lot we can learn and it's actually more than just how to make more. Let's start the story with Mark Gollin, who at the time owned his roofing company Magco on the outskirts of Baltimore. Well, you got to go back to 1998, I guess. I'd like to say that we had some stroke of genius at the time. But there were other consolidations going on, not in the roofing industry yet, but HVAC, electrical. The phenomena of the word roll-up at that time was to put a bunch of parts and pieces together and ultimately uh, increase value. Here is Kent Schwickert, who owned the roofing company Schwickerts in Mankato, Minnesota. The stock market was trading at 15 times earnings, and people were seeing the ability to get a large cash opportunity for themselves to literally take some money off their off the table from their own businesses because they didn't see the opportunity to, uh, to have a succession plan or just, frankly, they saw an opportunity to, to make some money. You know, it was all based on getting a multiple for your earnings instead of just uh, living off of your earnings. Once they had finished up rolling up most every other industry, they finally got down to the roofers, figured there was an opportunity to uh, to roll them up to markets were frothy. There was a lot of cash out there. It was attractive. Financially, it was attractive. Fails Management Institute, FMI, a business consulting firm, starts the process of bringing several roofing companies together to help them roll up into one national brand. Well, Don McNamara was the original driving force. FMI came to Don. You know, they look for a lead. They they need a business that's going to be the lead, that's that's capable of drawing in a lot of other like companies. Don then at the same time reached out to John Miller, and the two of them sort of took the lead. They were the uh, large enough businesses to act as the, the core. Don McNamara passed away in 2017, but we got John Miller on the phone to tell us about the initial meetings with FMI. Because at the time, electrical contractors, mechanical contractors were doing this consolidation. And as you might remember, there were three or four roofing consolidations going on. Don McNamara got very interested in this, and he said to FMI, I'd like to lead this thing. And FMI said, well, you have to meet John Miller. So Don and I met in Denver, and then we met with FMI. And that was sort of the beginning of the Tecta experience. Don really felt that this was an incredible idea. He loved the roofing industry, 
And for him, a national company it was a dream that he wanted to, to really make work. We had to get to critical mass. FMI knew a lot of contractors. They were a very large construction consulting firm. And they also you know, went out soliciting members. A lot of it was NRCA. It was very important to get the right people. And I still believe that is why we survived and the others did, is we had the right people to start with. Because Don had been NRCA president and I was just starting NRCA presidency. We knew pretty much everyone around the country. We knew who the good guys were. We know who the bad guys were, so to speak. So we reached out to our friends. Just being friends, though, was not enough to be invited into the roll-up. We wanted to make sure that everybody had a good safety plan. We wanted to make sure that everybody had a plan to take care of their employees. We obviously wanted people with great reputations and honesty. And, and that was part of knowing them before we even started. We didn't have a private equity group or some, some deal maker out there trying to pull us together. We were pulling ourselves together. It took us two years to really get tight with each other, trust each other, ultimately uh, focus on what a combined company would look like. Literally, we went to, to Las Vegas every month for 18 months, and we sat down in a room together and talked about how our businesses were doing. We thought it would go quicker than that, but it really didn't because we needed to, first off, get to know each other. And in part of the process, we learned everybody's strengths and weaknesses. During that two-year period, what also happened is we became really good friends. If you're going to do something like this, you really need to surround yourself with the best people. We all really got involved early on with, with the money. We were offered a large multiple. Seemed quite attractive, uh, more than, you know, you would earn over the next decade. you got to pay attention to that. The multiples were in the 15 times earnings. And, you know, as time passed and as, as we all saw what happened in Wall Street in the late 90s, uh, those multiples started to fall off pretty fast. And so by the time we got our deal done, I think we were down around six or seven times. But we also believed in the deal. You know, everyone got something from the deal as far as taking some cash off the table, but we also had majority control of the business. FMI helped this group of roofers determine what percentage of ownership each would share in the newly formed roll-up. The biggest disagreements over the deal, though, came unexpectedly. One of the great benefits of consolidation is insurance. The biggest problem we had was getting people to give up their local insurance agent. These are the guys that took them to the Masters Golf Tournament, sponsored them for their country club, you know, took them out fishing, whatever. In many cases, they're best friends. And we said, no, that's one place we can make a ton of money is through an insurance. you got to give up your local broker. And that was really hard for a lot of people. Ultimately, this group of young businessmen decided not to trip over a bigger opportunity just to pick up a golf membership perk from their local insurance agent. If they did this roll-up right, there would be plenty of money to pay for their own membership. I think a lot of us, uh, Kent, myself, uh, we were the younger guys there, right? What was I, 40, 42 years old? We saw the, the evolution from running a mom-and-pop roofing company or second or third generation roofing business to a larger business and, and a, a more valuable business as a whole. Uh, so it was part of our own growth and education as businessmen, and, and that was exciting. Finally, we got a bank to fund the uh, consolidation, and we finally became a company. Tecta America was born. It was interesting, of the 10 companies we got to come to the meeting in Chicago in 1998, 
all 10 companies were our first 10 companies. We didn't lose anybody. 10 roofing companies come together because they know they will do better together than individually on their own. Getting them to agree to the terms of the deal and how the company would be run was no small task, but the even bigger task awaited them, operating the National Roofing Company. We knew we had the roofing skill set, and we also were smart enough to know we had to go outside our circle and bring in you know, CEO and management level uh, people that had skill sets that we didn't necessarily have in the banking world, in the private equity world, access to capital, those kind of things that were really unfamiliar with uh, what we did on a daily basis. The search for a CEO to steer the tech to ship begins. The hiring committee found a gentleman in his early 40s with some prior leadership experience, but he knew nothing about the roofing industry. Welcome, Mark Santa Cruz, to our story. John Miller invited me to come out and meet with, at the time, was supposed to be the, the hiring committee that you know was going to interview final candidates. And so they said, come out to the Golden Nugget, we'll have a meeting with you. I didn't know anything about the business. And my first concern was, what could I add to this? I'm not just interested in a figurehead job if there's nothing I thought I could add. And I dug in. I reviewed financials and uh, understood the history and really looked into the bunch of different information regarding the performance of the company. That was my, my education. And, and so I walked through the lobby of the Golden Nugget, which I've got a blazer on and everyone else is, you know, partying and pulling slot machines. and. I knock on the door of the suite where I was supposed to meet five of them, and I walk in and there's all 17 founders. So um, all of them are there, and they all had beers in their hand, and it was the end of the day, and John invited me in and said, you know, we were going to meet with a small group, but we figured, you you know, if this person is going to be our boss, we also get to know you. And so they sat me down in a chair and offered me a beer and said, okay, um, if you were the CEO, what would be the first thing you would do? <laughs> He said the first thing he would do would cut uh, the Schwickert's overhead. Uh, he got a cheer from the other guys there, and uh, it was unanimous at that point. Ultimately, he did not cut their overhead. When I learned about the way the company was run, the local focus, and a bunch of entrepreneurs doing different things, I did. I felt that I could bring something to the table, help organize that, help share information amongst them have them you know, learn from each other in more of an organized way and share best practices amongst, amongst that group. I thought there would be an opportunity for us to be a little bit more structured in how we shared information amongst the group. Tecta got their CEO to captain their ship. They are building their national office while leaving the space for each individual company to operate with autonomy. A storm brews on the horizon. 2001, the markets went to crap. Tecta was was stressed at that time uh, with that debt level. A few of us uh, came back and wrote checks. Three or four of us put money back into the company. So we had just taken money out of the company and we put money back in. We're going to make this thing work, you know. We gotta make this thing work. We resupported the business as you would if it was your own. We got through that period, and that's when the other consolidations and roll-ups started really feeling the pain because they had sold over 50% of the business, so they weren't technically in control. The leverage was there. Their new owners weren't willing to put in the capital. So the general roofings and the integrateds, who now were all out of compliance with their, their, their loans uh, and their covenants, 
their owners had a decision whether they were going to put more money in these businesses or not. Ultimately, all of them gave up. We'll come back to one of those failed roll-ups in a moment. But first, Tecton needed to readjust their expectations for their young company during this difficult financial time. The reality was that going public was the ambition. But when you started to learn about what that meant, every month you had to make numbers. Reality set in, the markets tightened up, the uh, private equity guys were all pulling back, and there was a reality that we would never get public, not at that time and not at that scale. We're better off to be private, prove our earnings, prove to the world that we're something, grow the business and the model, and you'll get a much better valuation than if you go in as a poof company, and next thing you know, you're you're worth nothing. You know, we sort of looked back at ourselves and said, hey, if we really believe this is going to work and we're all committed to it, the the number doesn't matter because someday that will come back, right? And someday we we will earn that and prove that out. Tecta's owners hedged their bets, hoping the children's tale is true. The tortoise will, in fact, win the race. We'll find out if their patience paid off in a moment, but first. Hello, this is Kyle Thomas, president of the Roofing Alliance. And I would like to take a minute during this podcast to share with you what I believe is one of the treasures of the roofing industry. It is the Roofing Alliance, the foundation of the National Roofing Contractors Association. And it is the shining example of the professionalism and generosity of our roofing industry. The Roofing Alliance is making a difference with initiatives like their partnership with Ronald McDonald House Charities, where 165 roofs have been adopted by Roofing Alliance and NRCA members. We are helping to keep families across the country together so parents can focus on the health and well-being of their critically ill children. The Roofing Alliance is also sponsoring initiatives to recruit the next generation of roofing professionals through worker certification and training, the student competition, newly developed college-level courses, scholarships, and ongoing research that is solving problems and providing solutions. So if you're asking, how do I get involved? Well, that's simple. Become a member. It is a legacy membership that will elevate your company within the roofing industry and beyond. It is a generational gift that will encourage young people to choose a career in roofing. If not membership, then attend the student competition, help with the Ronald McDonald House project, follow the Roofing Alliance on social media, or give a gift to the foundation. There are so many ways to help and get involved. Find out today what you can do to help shape the future of our roofing industry at roofingalliance.net. Tecta America started with 10 individual companies coming together as one national brand operating stronger together than they were individually. Just as they formed, they were struck by a recession and they were forced to reevaluate their strategy for growth and going public. Let's pick the story back up with Mark Gollin, one of Tecta's board members. It's been the operating model from the beginning. The early days, it was extremely slow uh, and opportunistic. Here again is Kent Schwickert, an original Tecta founder. Tecta kind of fell down a little bit, but then came right back out because the economy got better. With that came some acquisitions because that was something Mark was good at. Now, Mark Santa Cruz, Tecta's CEO. That's a big part of my personal background. I was a uh, mergers and acquisition transactional attorney early in my career. And then in my other operating experience was always very much engaged in in, the, in making acquisitions and also sometimes being acquired. I've been around acquisitions a lot. And so I'm very familiar and comfortable in the world. 
in 2002, we came across an acquisition opportunity in uh, GNW Roofing, which was Glenwood in the Mid-Atlantic. I was introduced to Glenn and we hit it off and really start to trust each other and thought that Glenn and his team would be a nice addition to us. We figured out how to make it work. Again, John Miller, a Tecta founder. Zero Breeze in Cincinnati. He was an old friend of Don's and from uh, Midwest Contractors. And to this day, the Zero Company, John Wolf, still runs that and is doing a great job. You know, shortly thereafter, uh, a company in Southern California, Levy, uh, had an opportunity uh, to buy that. Levy Roofing, which is now our Southern Cal operation. So we had we had some familiarity with a few acquisitions, and they had all turned out very well. The people that integrated well in the company, and we felt good about our process. We, we didn't try to change anybody. All you had to do was make money. That was, that was, you know, if you did a single buy, if you could do residential, that would have been fine if you could have made money. It was just, the idea was any way you could be successful. And that's where the others made a mistake. The others made a mistake. Remember those other roll-ups that did not weather the 2001 recession? The tortoise sees an opportunity. I think the turning point for us was when we bought the assets of General Roofing. General Roofing was a, they had consolidated before us and they had fallen on real hard times. They had been sold to a uh, equity firm. They were really in bad shape. So Mark contacted General Roofing and that was a long, long negotiation. I started conversations and letting them know that we'd be interested if it ever came to it. I said, you know, listen, it's it would be a big deal if there's an interest, let us know. And that got some conversations going, but it didn't ultimately get done. You know, as everyone knows, General Roofing went into bankruptcy in 2003 or four, and they were acquired by a group out of Denver called Republic Financial. You know, that's what they did. They were a troubled asset investor. And they thought they could turn it around. They brought in Bart Rogensack to help them organize it and run it. You know, they stayed at it for a while, but weren't able to turn it around. Bart and I ended up cooking up. We had talked a few times again about our interest in the company, and Bart felt that we should talk. Bart would tell the story of when he and I met. He remembers the name of the bar. I don't, but it was in, uh, I think, Cherry Creek outside of Denver. And we sat and drew up what it would look like on a cocktail napkin. The rest is history. We uh, ultimately made a deal that was not easy just because of you know, a lot of moving parts and they had already had a hard time, but um, we got it done. It ended up turning out great. But we bought them, we got like 10 more companies in about 20 more locations. It turned out great for everybody. You know, the contractors were so happy to be part of ours because they, you know, they didn't have to beg for money. They didn't have to, they could get bonds for, for work. Uh, we had capital that they didn't. And so, it really worked out. Those companies have all done pretty well. The decision to acquire General Roofing from a board perspective was um, was not uh, unanimous by any means. I mean, there was a lot of discussion and, and disagreement. Ultimately, um, when the board made the decision to go forward, everybody got behind it, and participated in all the diligence and process and supported all the people that joined us. 
When we turned that deal, we started to turn some heads with private equity. We started to turn some heads with the banking people. We were making money. We were proving we could make money as a team. That really kind of expanded our eyes and expanded the eyes about us and what our capabilities were. You know, we had proved to the world that we could acquire a company and integrate it into Tacta without losing a beat. That's really where we got to the point where people were interested in looking at us for acquisitions ourselves, which is what eventually happened. Tecta America outlasted some of their large national competition and builds on their core values. We're individual entrepreneurial units. Every unit stands on their own. They live and die on their own profit and loss. They need to be have entrepreneurial skill within their marketplace. Uh, and then ultimately, Tecta adds the backstop. We could do some great things as a national company, taking advantage of our size and scale and resources and training ability and insurance programs and all of those things. But they only, they only work if you start with a really strong local operator. And if you try to manage the business top down um, from folks that are steps removed from that local business, that you're gonna run into trouble. And so we've stuck to that. Having great people in the local branch is absolutely our foundation and we believe that today just as much as we did then. We give them all the leverage of being a extremely large business, but let them be agile in their own markets and build their own relationships. Don't change. Stay with the guys you know. We never changed any of that. Unlike some of the others that, that went to a national purchasing platform right away and then attempt to squeeze the manufacturer for, for every two cents in order to optimize their buying, a lot of our customers and a lot of our relationship with manufacturers are, are just that, their relationships. They provide opportunity and we provide opportunities. You always had a salesman who took really good care of you. Those guys would bring you leads and they bring you business. And the last thing you want to do is cut them off because headquarters said you got to deal business with someone. So that was our strength. We never changed anything. All we asked people were to make money, be successful. Tecta is sailing along smoothly, perfecting their business model as they go. But another storm is brewing on the horizon for Mark Santa Cruz and Tecta to navigate. We were starting to see key players retire. You could see that eventually all the owners of the company were going to be retired and everyone else was going to be working for them while they were on the golf course. And that was not going to work. So it was either pass, pass the ownership down to the next generation or sell. It was a very good monetary reward, I think, which drove us to sell the KRG. Cash is king. 2006, we sold the whole business, approximately 80-some percent of it, to private equity, a firm called KRG, uh, out of Colorado. They had placed a, a great deal of leverage on the business, uh, then started, you know, trying to affect change. There was a, a push from them to really change our business model and look to standardize some things that was at odds with our locally focused operation. We tried a few things they wanted us to do, but some of the, many of them weren't working. And so I just said, um, you know, this isn't working. I don't think we should continue to do that. And they were, you know, they were more insistent on what they wanted to do. And so I simply said, um, you know, you should, if you own the company, you should have a CEO that you believe in. It's not me. Mark Santa Cruz, Tecta's CEO, which captained the ship all those years through rough waters and long negotiations of acquisitions, was gone. 
they really didn't understand was uh, we're not all the same. You got four built up crews. First single ply jobs are going to look like hell and it may never get good. You know, if those are your strengths, then sell to your strengths. Their vision was to build a very large corporate overhead, change the names of companies, and the look of the trucks were changing. And frankly, um, it, it turned out to be a disaster. By 2013, KRG had Tecta in a financial mess. When your interest loads 24 million and you make 13 million, it just doesn't add up. So the business had value. Trouble is, you know, they overmortgage the house. You don't knock the house down if you pay too much for it. KRG, which had 80% controlling interest in Tecta, has to sell. Fact is, if our debt level was adjusted correctly, we're a good company and we should be, uh, you know, traded that way. Oak Tree Capital, who is a value investor, they look for good businesses that are seriously over levered. So they bought the business. Uh, renegotiated the loans. That's the time when they said, what's this business need? What Tecton needed was leadership. The type of captain they had years ago when they lived on their core principles. Then Mark Gollum became uh, interim president. And he, he really saved the company. He really did. Uh, uh, because he, he did for a year or two, he sort of kept everything together. They had interviewed me uh, a few times prior to the purchase. The day after they purchased the business, they uh, contacted me and said, you remember all that stuff you told us? Why don't you come back and do it for us? I came back on a temporary basis. I, I told them I'll do what's needed, but I wasn't coming back for the long term. Uh, I'll stay as long as we're needed till we get the right guy. Tecta had the right guy, remember? KRG lost him. At one point, Mark and I were on the phone and he said, would you ever consider coming back? And I had gotten to know Oak Tree and their commitment to our business model. I, I miss the company, I miss the industry, I miss the kind of hands-on role that we had at Tecta. And I joined, I came back to the company in the spring of 2014. We had lost our way a bit, you know, it got too corporate. We make our money every day on the ground. We fight a war in every city we work in. The money's made on the roofs every day. And we went back to that. We put our guys back in charge. That really changed everything for Tecta because what they frankly did was go back to the same model we had from the beginning. And now we're back on our, on our wheels again and everything's fine. When I came back to the company, as well as the company's own recognition of what didn't work, um, it's just made us more committed to what does. Since that time, we have been extremely committed to our business model, to staying, to really doubling down on our focus on our people and building training and development of our people, and also the kind of companies that we're looking to add through acquisition. We've been doing steady acquisitions ever since, and quite honestly, have been doing all of them in pure cash flow. We haven't had to borrow money at all on any of our acquisitions. And today we have 75 locations, all led by an operating president or branch manager that have their hand on the pulse of the business locally. Very different styles across the group. And we don't always agree, but we trust each other. We tell the truth, you know, going back to Mark Allen or John Miller or any of the original founders, that's always been a very key trait. 
I think people in the industry generally understand that if Tecta acquires a company, it usually means that it's a good company. Tecta treats them right, is not interested in just getting a spot on the map or cutting people or anything along those lines. That um, we're looking to bring people in as partners and help us build a company. And, and our job is to support them and give them some tools and resources that they might not have been able to access before. Tecta America's success has reached far beyond simply putting more money in the pockets of the original founders. They are a tide that has raised the boats of all roofing companies and are investing in the next generation. We've done the industry a huge service by ultimately valuing their businesses more than ever before. A lot of companies, you know, they'll look at tech and say, oh, they're the big guys and they take all this work. But what they don't ultimately understand is that we gave them a place to sell their businesses and we increased the value of their business. We increased the value of almost every legitimate roofing company in the country uh, because now there is a market. It's not just what you could sell at the auction for your equipment. When we were around 2003 or four, you know, we were still struggling with the fact that our employees thought they worked for Christensen or Western Roofing or J.P. Patty, not Tech to America. That whole thing of trying to make the consolidation company. And one of the ideas I came up with was, let's start a scholarship program. It'd be the Tech to America scholarship program, not the Western Roofing or the Christensen scholarship program, as a way of building a esprit de corps with, with the employees around the country. So we did. That was sort of my baby, and it's worked out great. When I retired, they were very nice to name the scholarship program after me. I'm very proud of it. Now I believe uh, there are over a million dollars in scholarships for sons and daughters of employees, and many of them are first-time ones in the family to go to college. To me, that's, that's the best legacy I could have. The thing that we really offer the most now, more than purchase, uh, succession. And in the roofing business, up to tech, the, the only succession was you had to have enough offspring to probably take over your business and run it and convince them to pay you a price till, till the day you die. I mean, there was, there was no inherent value in your business uh, if you could not ultimately build it and make it succeed. Um, so tech to provides the ability for those businesses to maximize their, their return on their business and their investment and provide succession and opportunity for their employees for, for the future. So we, we obviously are confident in what we're doing and all those things, but we also know there's a lot of other ways to skin a cat. We don't have a uh, monopoly on perfection by any means. We are just looking to get better and better at what we do. In 1998, a group of roofers began meeting every month in Las Vegas with dreams of a national company. None of us needed to do it. It wasn't like we were sitting in our room trying to figure out how to come up with some money. We, we did it because we believed in it. We believed in the model, but it had to be with the right people. I think they're all part, they like being part of that team. You don't hear a lot of people walking around, damn, I'm sure sorry I did that tech deal. I would, I'm glad I did it. And so, yeah, I'd do it again. Tech to America, congratulations on your 20-year anniversary. Thank you for lifting up the entire roofing industry. We are grateful for your story and are better because you shared it with us. I'd like to give a special thanks to our guest today, Kent Schwicker, one of the founders and now the Senior Vice President of National Business Unit for Tech to America. 
Thank you to Mark Santa Cruz, Tectus CEO, Mark Gollin, a founder and current board member, and John Miller, an original founder of Tecta. Thank you to each of you gentlemen for your service to roofing, making it an extraordinary industry. Do you have a story to share, something that would inspire and educate your peers in the roofing industry? We want to hear from you. Email us at stories at nrca.net, stories at nrca.net. Next time, we will tell you about roofing companies which name their businesses after their sons, but are being run by their daughters. You will not want to miss this intriguing story. There are many lessons to be learned from today's podcast. I know I learned a ton and hope you did too. Yes, business is about making money, but the lessons go deeper. Surround yourself with good people, even join forces with them. Stick tight to your core business model. Be patient. There's one more lesson to be learned, and I'm going to give today's final word to Mark Santa Cruz to share it with us. Be well, be safe, and be proud of this great industry. Mark, the floor is yours. We hire the best people when we make an acquisition. We focus almost exclusively on the people. Before the numbers, we don't care about equipment. We think that it's our our ability to attract, motivate, retain, train, develop great people that is really the only thing that makes a difference in the industry.